If the Bible's got you tied in knots If you're burdened with religious thoughts Come grab a drink and join the choir It's Heretic Happy Hour Oh yes, it is. It is absolutely the Heretic Happy Hour time. And uh, we have such an amazing episode in store for all of you guys today. Um, my name is Keith Giles. I am one of your many co-hosts, and I'm the author of the uh, Jesus Un series, including the most recently released Jesus Unforsaken, Substituting Divine Wrath with Unrelenting Love, joined by my co-hosts, uh, the lovely Katie Valentine, Matthew DiStefano, and Derek Day. Hey, let's all gather around and introduce ourselves, shall we? I'm gathered. Hi, everyone. This is Katie Valentine. I'm the author of Sex, Slavery, and Self-Control and jazzed about this series. I'm really excited about the topics tonight, about our uh, the, the many, many, many titillating things that we are going to bring to your attention about our crazy story. And I'm Derek Day, the author of Deconstructing Religion. And I want to know, Keith, why did you call Katie, the lovely Katie, but you didn't refer to Matt or me as lovely. I, I'm, I'm, God damn it, I'm, I'm bothered by that. Yeah, well, you are a sexy man. Um, maybe I'm actually I'm just dead a- sexy. <laughs> I'm just intimidated, man. That's that's what it is. I'm so it's, sorry. It's the Irish summer is making me luminous. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's actually it's true. Like Fifty yeah. degrees here. Yeah. It's not just yeah. that though. It's also that we have, we're recording this with video and. Um, and Katie has this like sort divine of heavenly light. There's a divine light shining <laughs> upon her right now. I do have some bright halogen tonight. It's true. <laughs> so anyway, I'm also the author of the Love Minus Religion blog on Pathios.com. And I'm, I've got a couple of book ideas that I'm running past the folks at Choir, but I'm going to keep them mum for right now, just among family until such time arises. But Kathy says she, uh, Kathy, good God almighty. The, the oh, scotch is kicking man, in. Derek. <laughs> scotch is kicking, kicking in early. Um, <laughs> Katie said she's jazzed about this episode. Well, I'm jazzed about jizz. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if I'm as excited as uh, as Derek is, but uh, I am Matthew DiStefano, author of Heretic from the Blood of Abel and a few others, but they're on Whippenstock, so I won't mention them. I don't want our producer to get upset, and uh, I'm ex- I am excited for another episode. I'm excited. We've had this theme in this in this series of certain heretics of the week, so I am very excited and and intrigued by who we might call upon today. So uh, looking forward to that. And if you want to get in touch with the heretics, you can exercise finger dexterity and... I don't have that number. Here I know, I was, the, I was looking for it too. Like, where is that yeah. number? You what haven't memorized it yet? I, I've been on this show for four years. I haven't memorized it. <laughs> oh, I haven't memorized Matt. Yes. What is, what it? What is, is it? it? Go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, no, no. Last no, time no, I stepped doesn't. on Derek's toes, and I'm not <laughs> making that mistake. No, I'm not no. cutting off a black man to talk over him. <laughs> I, I, re- I really do have it. It's 240-343-7379. Again, that's 240-343-7379. Yeah, hey, and I'm going to tell you something. that Some black man somewhere is going to jump Matthew DiStefano and kick his ass over there. <laughs> I just hope it's not you, Derek. No, I would never do that. But I'm not I'm not opposed to hiring someone. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So 
exercise your finger dexterity and call that number and roll that beautiful voicemail footage. God damn it. Hi, guys. And Katie. Sorry. Uh, this is Dave, um, Northern California. And I'm uh, asking uh, if you guys would be able to tell us a little bit more about your processes, processes, processes of deconstruction that you went through um, in your journeys, in your faith. Uh, you allude to a couple of different things. Uh, you alluded last podcast, I think it was Matt DeStefano mentioned uh, when he was going through his deconstruction at an early age by asking questions. And I thought that was so great. That was uh, a moment of being able to identify a point at which we come up to one set of naivetes where uh, things don't make sense. We ask the question and we can either go into a new naivete, a new understanding, or go back to the previous one, reject what we uh, just asked, uh, reject the answer that we might get and go back to the first one um, and just uh, ignore new truth or new new study. Um, I'd just love to hear more about the process that you guys went through. Uh, I think your podcast is great. I've called in before. I have loved the uh, the music and the the hilarity of uh, the last show, the Pals show, uh, of all the different things that um, made him upset. It sounded to me like he was a little bit upset because he couldn't do all the things that he wanted to to do uh, on that podcast. And it just sounded like a little bit like, oh, poor guy. I wish he could do. Wish he could have fun. Anyway. Love you guys. Talk to you later. Hope you uh, hope you keep doing the the work because it's awesome. It, it, the work is awesome. You guys are really uh, insightful, um, adding so much to my week, adding so much to what I do. So appreciate you. Um, thanks again, and keep keep doing it. Bye. Wow. You know what? If we had like just like ninety eight more voicemail messages like that one. Um, it would almost make up for all the stuff we endured from our other friend. But uh, thank you so much, man. Well, thank you. That was, it's always great to get positive voicemails like that. Um, I guess that's true. I guess maybe we take it for granted that people kind of already know maybe a little bit about our background stories. So we haven't spent a long time. I don't think we can do it now because it would pretty much be the entire episode if we, all four of us went around and tried to explain our story. But maybe we can schedule something down the road uh, where we can maybe answer questions like that or go into more detail, I guess, about our process. Um, and I guess that's true because I don't think I know, to be honest. I, I know a little bit of Matt's, but Derek and Katie, I don't think I know your story. So that could be fun. Yeah. And we, um, Derek and I kind of talked a bit about our stories in um, episode 88, where we had oh, the, yeah. uh, the yeah. Valentine Day yeah. Valentine's takeover. Day. Yeah, Keith wasn't allowed was to be there. I was exactly. kicked out of the studio. Were, yeah, locked out. Yeah, yeah. yeah or in, in trunks of cars and all, all sorts of things mm -hmm. uh, that time. But yeah, I, I love the sort of perspective of asking deeper questions. And my I just my experience of any kind of deconstruction, religious or spiritual or otherwise, um, is that it's it's rarely linear. You know, it's 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 very circular. It's very spiral. A couple of steps forward, a couple of steps back. Where we're trying on different hats, new ways of thinking, and and that's the way we expand. So it, I think it's okay to go back to the way we were. It's it's usually temporary um, while we're experiencing cognitive dissonance, which is a real thing, um, mm -hmm. until we have the spaciousness to expand some more. Dave, I'm really grateful for your call and 
uh, your um, attention to linguistic detail <laughs> was quite impressive. With that being said, when I talk about deconstruction, I can sum mine up into two words. Logic, motherfucker. That's that's really what it comes down to for me. Now, it, your mileage may vary. Everybody has a, a, a different a different path. And and I've said this before. I, I respect what people believe. I just don't respect it when it's exported for the sake of numerical advantage. And that's me. Yeah. Your mileage may vary. Um, so my favorite part of the call, and I know Dave didn't mean it like this, was hi guys. And Katie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I but, appreciated um, your catch, Dave. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, that's funny. Yeah, I we we did have the, the Katie and Derek episode. I know um Keith, you and I have back when we were our own heretics of the week, right? There so so if you go to like heretichappyhour.com, you can search, you can keyword search different episodes, because I don't have those in front of me right now, but I know there's former episodes. I, I've talked about my personal story on uh I did a little a little side podcast called Apostates Anonymous uh by my lonesome. Um you know we just had the Onan episode about masturbating. I like 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 the Onan episode I was you know, I wasn't spilling my seed over there or anything, but I did tell my deconstruction story kind of. So if you go check out that show and, uh, but maybe it would be fun to do another one because I think, um, for as similar as many deconstruction stories are, there's always nuance and always personal experience in there. So it'd probably be good to, uh, to revisit some of those stories and how we got to where we are today. Yeah. And honestly, I, I kind of feel like I have told my story too many times. Uh, yeah, like I, feel, been, I feel that. Yeah. yeah, I've been on other podcasts, you know, and I, in some ways I feel like they always ask the same questions and I, I try know. to answer slightly differently every time, but it's still kind of like, it's the story is the story. So if you're really curious, uh, David, or anyone else listening, uh, yeah, you could probably either search old Heritage Caviar episodes or even just, you know, at times we've been guests on other people's podcasts. I'm sure we've covered that. Wait, for the for the three of you, do you talk about it in any of your books? I was just going to say, can I plug a book that I have with Michelle Collins coming out? It's going to be coming out um, whenever Ralph starts, you know, working hard on my stuff. Unlike, you know, Keith, I know you you give Ralph too much work. He doesn't have time for anyone else. I keep writing books. Yeah, you keep writing books. But no, uh, Learning to Float is a book I wrote with Michelle Collins. And it's kind of my deconstruction story through the lens of like talking to someone who is in the psychology field. So you can be on the lookout for that uh, probably 2022. That's awesome. Yes, yeah, sir. That, that'd be great. Yeah, so you tell some of your story in that? Yeah, a lot of my story and how yeah. it relates to the grief cycle because that's kind of her thesis and, yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, my books, yeah, I think Jesus Untangled, uh, I cover a little bit of my sort of my political deconstruction, like de deconstructing, untangling my faith from my politics kind of a thing. And the book Jesus Unveiled is probably more of, that's probably more of where I, tell more of the personal story, like the beginnings of my deconstruction, the kind of the first couple of dominoes that started to fall for me and how I ended up, you know, on that road. So yeah, those are a couple of places you could look. Uh, believe it or not, in sex, slavery, and self-control, my story didn't come into my analysis of 1 Corinthians 7 verses 21 through 24. So you'll have to wait for the next, the next, uh, the next book. That's disappointing. I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> that would have been great. Deconstructing religion for me was just the tip of my deconstruction. 
Hey, well, um, hey, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to warn you, based on the subject matter of this, of what's coming up on this podcast, you're probably going to hear a whole lot of jokes just like that one. So keep your ears open. You know, I know all of our listeners have virgin ears, just uh, totally yeah. unadulterated, <laughs> unpenetrated ears. But this episode <laughs> is the one that will do it for you. So speaking of ears. unpenetrated and unadulterated, should we um, get to our heretic oh, of the week? I think so. I think we should. Okay. Okay. So y'all, we've had a couple of really interesting heretics lately. Um, we had Marcion mm-hmm. and we had... Rene Girard. Thank you, Rene Girard. Just total brain freeze uh, for a second. <laughs> and oui, the oui, voices oui. were really, really familiar. Yeah. So we're having a heretic of the week uh, this week, and I am kind of putting on my mantle um, to speak her voice as best I can. And so without further ado, let's get to her interview. It's the heretic of the week. Hi, everyone. This is Mary Magdalene, and some people call me a heretic. Hi. Hi, Mary. Well, Mary. Hail Mary. Thank Mary you. Mary Magdalene. There's a lot of Marys running around in my circles. So you have to make sure <laughs> you can uh, you distinguish know, me from all of the other ones. Yeah, I've noticed there are a lot of Marys running around in the New Testament. That's true. But there's only one Mary Magdalene. And I'm happy to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Can I can I just say that I really feel for Jamal right now that we had Jamal yeah. on for like I don't know how many episodes, and now we finally get to talk to Mary Magdalene, and he's not even here. I know. Sorry, it's so who sad. Is that? Oh, you don't know you, him? Uh, oh you, God, you don't. have to know him. I can't believe he's, you're not. He's your he's, biggest fan. He is your biggest fan. I'm a few centuries anyway, behind, so I'll, I'll get to him. He'll he'll be coming <laughs> up. Don't worry. Ouch. <laughs> you know, I have a question. Do tears make really good hair conditioner? We don't have hair conditioner right from. What are you talking about? Or or foot cleaning? Maybe foot cleaning. Yeah, uh, well, salve. Tears and 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 you know tears and toe jam. I think you may be referring to um, the idea that you may have been the woman who wept over Jesus' feet and dried them with your hair. Is that is that a rumor? It's, is that true? Um, there is a woman who did that. That woman was not necessarily me, or maybe she was. Was her name Mary? I don't know her name. Probably. Everyone (laughs) is named Mary in this century. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So are are you a politician, Mary? Because that not necessarily really just, just really. (laughs) I'm, I'm politic (laughs) because I'm an intersectional woman living in the first century surrounded by fools. So yeah, I have to be, I have to be a little politic. I have to kind of navigate all of these murky waters with all of these Marys, with all these apostles who don't know what the hell they're doing just to make any kind of inroads. So was she me? Was she not? I'm going to let the mystery be. Uh, I don't think any of the silly people who wrote those testaments as specifically named me. So I don't see why I should verify or confirm or deny the rumors. Two words, booyah. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to keep the mystery so, alive here for everyone. Yeah, so Mary, I'm curious. So do you, you know, what we know about you, and there's not a lot we know, but we're glad we have you here. We can clarify some things. So I know that, you know, you were, you you funded, you're one of the women who helped to fund uh, Jesus' ministry, and um, and you were right there with him. You traveled with him. You were one of the disciples with him, alongside him. 
Um, you were there during the trial and the crucifixion. You were the first one there at the resurrection. You were the apostle to the apostles. And then, um, and then it seems like you kind of got cut out of the, you know, out of the circle there a little bit. And I'm curious, like, how did that make you feel? Were you shocked by that? I mean, I guess once Jesus wasn't around anymore, the guys just kind of, you know, did what they were going to do. But I don't know. I mean, what was that like? I wish I could say I was surprised at any of this, but I'm surprised at none of it. This is kind of the way the world works. But I think that my understanding of, of who Jesus is, we might have to back up just a little bit. So all of the writings that we have, they're fine. They all tell, you know, particular slice. Um, finally, some of these guys got a little bit of wisdom, uh, wrote some of it down. But when I was running around with them and those couple of months of uh, when Jesus was on earth, they were barely scratching the surface of Jesus' consciousness. So I feel like I'm the one who got a lot of this kind of particular wisdom, and it's more of a way of being than knowledge. And that cannot be contained on pages on a piece of paper. Um, so my Jesus tradition is not necessarily written down. So no, I'm not surprised that they wrote it down and got a lot of things wrong and that people tried to figure out if I'm that woman who's drying Jesus' uh, f- feet with her hair and bathing with tears and all of that. Um, but that's not the main point of the story. And so for, m- for my, my group, for my posse, um, they're passing down their Jesus way in other kind of ways that cannot be contained to the written page. Well, you know, the, the folks at Thomas Nelson are going to be really shocked to hear that, but I think you might be onto something. Maybe, uh, maybe that's the true. Who? Maybe there is more. Um, well, it's an inside joke. There's these, <laughs> yeah. People make a lot of money publishing these books, you know, these writings, by the way, and not yours, unfortunately. Like I, there, there was one that was collecting some of, uh, what we call the Gospel of Mary, and uh, it kind of got lost. Somebody found some fragments here and there. They threw it together, but it would kind of fit in your back pocket. There's not much of it left, unfortunately. Um, so you kind of got cut out of the publishing deal, too. I can live with that. Yeah, I was, I was wondering about that Gospel of Mary. Is that something that you actually put pen to paper to transcribe for us? No, no, no. Or is no, that all? but it's passed down, passed down, passed down. So I did take just before the episode, I thought it would be wise. So I took a little, I look at a little glimpse at that gospel. If things are going to be written down on paper, that one's not too bad because there's still a lot of mystery there. Yeah. It's not, there's not like a whole, it's, it doesn't try to nail anything down. So like that one's okay. I didn't write it down. The disciples of my disciples of my disciples wrote it. They must have felt like they must have been feeling a little cornered in that uh, those centuries at those centuries after Jesus, when um, none of the Jesus followers could decide if they were getting along with each other or not. Kind of contrary to the message of Jesus. But I get it because the disciples really were idiots sometimes. Oh, yeah. So I understand. Yeah, we're all human. Yeah, that's definitely true. We are all human. Um, Mary. I, I was wondering, I don't I don't think you're going to actually answer this, but you can, you know, you can surprise me. I actually have two questions. One, what do you think of the rumors that you and Jesus were married? And two, was your and Peter's beef as as big as we we might think it was? So, first of all, a lady does not kiss and tell. Oh, uh, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> and what difference does it make? If we were, if we were, I'm just, I'm just curious. Just I curious. know, just curious. It's, it's curiosity, curious. but like I'm, you know. 
my my sexual story is not one to be written down and like passed down through the ages. So um, what I will say is that um, women's sexual power is not something to be dismissed. And that should be taken ser- that should be taken seriously. And women's wisdom is not something to be dismissed. But I do appreciate the spirit of the question, and 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 Jesus Jesus understood that, right? Of course. Like, listen, listen. Oh, all right. Yeah, I was a young right. woman running around in Galilee, really determined not to get married because I was not going to be stuck. Um, in this little backwater Roman province. Um, I was like, I was on the verge of converting and like going to an ISIS cult so I could remain a celibate aesthetic, right? So I was like, I was not taking any of this. Uh, but when Jesus comes around, mm-hmm. I really liked his message. And then I followed him around for um, for a couple of months before his crucifixion. I liked the message even more. I got to say, it's not always easy. All this love your enemy, lay down your life kind of business is not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. But then I was I was super inspired that like there were choices. Like I finally had choices. So whether or not Jesus and I were romantic or not, nah, neither here nor there. The point is, I had a choice in all of this. I think that's awesome. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And Jesus actually gave you a choice where in other, maybe in other settings, uh, that would have been a very rare thing. I gave me the choice, but Jesus affirmed it. I appreciated that. <laughs> I appreciate it. There you that. go. All right. That's, Matthew, what was your second yeah. question about Peter? Something about, something about Peter? Oh, your guys, uh, your, your beef. What was his big beef with you? Oh, who knows? Uh, I mean, we're all threatened by me. Every last one of them. Uh, so for Peter in particular, well, Peter and Peter and James and Paul were really working out their own thing. I was just doing my own thing on the side. Um, he seemed to be really threatened by like my knowledge, by wisdom, by a woman being smarter than him. He was having a lot of family problems, though. Ooh, yeah, burn. I know, right? But he said, you know, the truth will set you free. But Peter was having a lot of problems with his mother-in-law continuously, and she was always talking about the miracle of uh, Jesus healing her, just would not be quiet about it. He was contending with that all the time, and then people were telling him how he denied Jesus, which, hello, true, uh, the whole time. Then he had a daughter who was having, you know, she had a lot of trauma, uh, and then his wife was kind of down his throat. So all I can say is, you know, family trouble at home. So Peter was a bit of a dick then. He was he was way better than some of the others. <laughs> oh, oh, wow! wow. Right, wow, that's, so. a, that's an offhand. I don't know if that's an offhanded compliment or an offhanded burn. Right? You know, <laughs> look for a for a first century male Jewish man. He was you know not the worst. He, he was not the he was not the worst. He was he was right. he did some good things. We we didn't agree on the Jesus story. I mean, we didn't agree on what was most important. Um, mm-hmm. And. All these people thought he had all this leadership and leadership capability. And um, so he did his thing in his particular way. Um, And then I was doing my thing in my particular way. Um, He was doing things in a very kind of male, what he knew, I mean, in a male kind of patriarchal world way. And I was doing mine in another kind of way and trying to bring out a different spirit of the Jesus movement. So what Peter, you know, what his problem was with me I, you have my perspective. My problem with him is um, he wasn't honoring the wisdom way that I mm. that was what inspired me about Jesus' message to begin with. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely uh, obvious that Peter didn't really get it, and um, and if he ever did get it, it took him a long time. But anyway, enough about Peter because we want to talk to you. Uh, I'm also curious, and I hope this isn't a sensitive subject for you, but part of your story is that Jesus cast seven demons out of you. And can you explain what does that mean? I mean, what is that about? I mean, 
uh, were they seven specific demons or is that just a uh, hyperbole or is that a metaphor for something else? Uh, how, I mean, how would you explain that to, to us so that we can understand what that's all about? There are no demons. Whoever wrote the Gospel of Luke in chapter eight grouped me and a bunch of other women together who were all healers. And we were going, we were all healers in the countryside doing radical acts that actually Jesus learned a little bit from us. Uh, in his own healing ministry. And these male authors could not handle it. And so they call them demons. There are no demons. Everything's good. Never possessed. Wow. You know what? I, that makes so much sense. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) I, Katie, since I'm, since Katie's kind of giving me voice, feels like she should also say that's not her, that's, um, everyone should read Elaine Wainwright to find out more. (laughs) Oh, okay. Now I'm intrigued. Very cool. Good wow, question. Wow, thank wow. you for uh, thank you for offering me the chance to illuminate that. Uh, that that's the heresy. That's the actual heresy that uh, I get called. Uh, I get called a woman with demons instead of a woman who is a radical healer. Yes, and a prostitute. You've been you've been called a prostitute as well, which we know that that really doesn't that doesn't fit as either. Um, and it seems like there's been some scholarship. Elizabeth Schrader has done some incredible scholarship about. There's been there were, the early on there was an effort to erase you as much as possible from uh, the gospel narratives. And um, are you aware of that? And how do you feel about that? Who was doing the erasing? It was after my time. Um, probably some male scribes and um, you know people writing the uh, the gospels, uh, removing either adding a, a Martha character who wasn't really there in the first place, um, conflating a Mary and Martha with Mary Magdalene and things like that in the Gospel of John. Again, not not terribly surprised, but what I will say is that anyone who wants the wisdom um, that I shared with people in my circle can find it by looking within. You'll never find it on the pages. Wow. So we don't really need to read the Gospel of Mary. What you're saying is we can find the same exact truths that, that the things that you were talking about with it by looking within. Yeah, but yeah, by looking within, by finding the Jesus message within, reading Gospel Mary won't hurt. It's fun. It's fun. My my disciples did a nice job with it, um, but it, that, that can't contain all of the message either. And so, yeah, so I'm not surprised that I'm kind of axed out a little bit of the Gospel of the Gospel of John. But you know, what goes around comes around. Don't worry, it'll all come full circle one day. Yeah. Yeah, that karma that can be a bitch. <laughs> Uh, Mary Magdalene, to clarify, not just Mary, Mary Magdalene. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming onto the show. And um, Katie, thank you for uh, for allowing yourself to to have Mary speak through you. And it's it's been lovely. I feel bad for Jamal. He's going to miss his favorite character of all time. Um, but we're so glad that you were able to join us. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for um, writing me back into the pages. But mostly, everyone, just look at your hearts. You'll find what you need there. Oh, Mary, she's so woke. Yes, such great wisdom. I really appreciate that. Woke as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was fun. Kate, Katie herself is exhausted uh, from this little channeling oh. experience. <laughs> is is that tiring to have to have someone speak through you like that? I, I mean, I've never I've never done that. Uh, I, I mean, I've, t- I've taken mushrooms and maybe done something like that. But not, not. <laughs> mushrooms might make it a little easier and less tiring. Yeah, <laughs> but but you all know my uh, I can't I can't manage such such substances because I get paranoid. So. Uh, oh yeah, make it easier. Maybe that, maybe that's a topic for a different day. Right. 
Today we have a, a different sort of invigorating topic. Invigorating. Who, who picked today's passage? Oh, you know, Derek. Derek, is this yours? You damn right, it is me. <laughs> you naughty dog. Yeah, you know, the Bible is the only religious book where you will get a rendition of donkey dicks and horse cum. I, I think that's probably. I haven't done research, but I'm willing to bet that that is a true statement. Yeah, I'm, I'll I'm, give you the over-under on that, Pete. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident of that. So what are, what are you referring to, Derek? What do, we, what do we have today? Which passage? Well, we what have, stupid shit e- does the Bible say now? Ezekiel <laughs> chapter 23, verses 20 and 21. If it all rise and turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel <laughs> 23 for the reading Char- of the Scripture... This is my Bible. It is what it's what I say, what it says I am, and I am what it says it is. And, and today <laughs> I'm going to be taught the unfallible, the unflinchable Word of God. And it oh, says, "There she lusted after her lovers, who gen- whose genitals were like those of donkeys, and whose emissions were like that of horses." So you long for the lewdness of your youth when in Egypt your bosom was caressed and your young breasts fondled. Good God Almighty. Oh, Porn. yeah. <laughs> Boogie nights, baby. Oh, yes. We were talking like before before the podcast about this episode. and Like if, if there was an illustrated uh, version of the Bible, this <laughs> chapter right here, man, this verse would be, oh, yeah. This bumps it from NC-17 to X right there. Yeah. Big time. Yep. This would have to be the cover. <laughs> Christian folk, hide your babies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because yeah. the devil is coming. There's a part of me that's like, what else is there to say? What else is there to say? It kind of says it all. But. It, is, it sort of begs the question, like, okay, obviously we're pulling this out of context here. We're pulling out, uh, pulling this out of context. So, <laughs> Oh, um, God. Hey, hey Keith, your, your, your pull-out game is obviously very strong. That was uh, that was two episodes ago. The pulling out thing. Um, no, so we're pulling this out of context. So, like, there is a context, right? There is some sense in which some some reference to donkey or horse genitals or whatever uh, might might have some meaning, right? Is there any way to salvage this verse in some way to say what the heck is Ezekiel talking about? Again, keep in mind this is the guy who last week was laying on his side for a year and eating bread cooked on his own dung. So keep that in mind. Well, he he made that last minute request for cow dung and it was granted. So That's true. Okay. Okay. God changed his mind. That's right. Oh, I'm so glad he did. Man, Ezekiel was like, woohoo. I'm glad God changed his mind that time. But uh what's going on here? Why why is uh why is such a it's such a specific reference, right? Well, you know the, the the whole thing talks about adultery and it talks about lewdness and 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 but what what really fascinates me about this passage is the level of detail. The detail, yes. And 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 in order for Ezekiel to chronicle this, he had to have been at least a casual observer. But the mean, research, yeah, the, the level of research that went into this, yeah, that was probably a little. I mean, because it's, it's very specific, right? And and so you know, he had to be, he had to have been watching some animal porn, or you know, or had been you know watching some you know <laughs> Long Dong Silver, or you know you know John Holmes, or something like you know the equivalent of that, of, you know, in in the the days of the Old Testament, there was something 
that inspired him to get down to this level of granularity. And that's the part that really amazes me. But here's what's funny. Here is what's funny. Because if you ask your average M1A1 Christian, do you know that there's porn in your Bible? They'll be, oh, no, 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 no. And then we, and, and then, when, and then when you show it to them, they're like, see, there's the devil at work again. No, it, here it is, guys. So, so for those of you who believe in, in Bible infallibility, Bible inerrancy, here you go. There's porn in the midst of your scripture. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. a, and that's, a, and that's the interesting thing about, um, you know, a lot of these stories, especially this one specifically, is that no matter what we say about what the story means and allegorically how we read it and what, what, what the emissions and the size of a, of an animal's penis has to do with anything, like it's the fact that, that the writer did take the time to spell yeah. it out in such a way where you're like, I mean, it's why we made the pillow that is live life. What is it? Live, love, lust. lust. Yes. Yeah. That pillow that we have at hereticapyard.com. It's like to put up this pillow that looks like this lovely Christian <laughs> decor, but it's really about, you know, the size of an animal's penis and the, the size of an emission. So mm. why did the writer choose to, lay it out in such a way. That's what I find fascinating. Lay it out. So I have a theory. Um, Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> <laughs> I have a theory. Uh, you know, so because we've already visited Ezekiel once before, and we've talked about that in Ezekiel, so much of what he was doing was this performance art. The whole point of what all these kind of crazy things he's doing is to get a reaction from people. It's like he's trying to go out of his way to make people, you know, walking around him, whatever. I, I guess I'm imagining him sort of standing outside in the marketplace while people are buying baskets or whatever and fruit and um, and preaching and teaching and doing all these crazy kind of performance art things. And, and I guess uh, this is my theory that he would get to that level of detail because it would really make people stop in their tracks and go, what did you say? Um, maybe he's trying to shock people. Like he's always trying to push the envelope a little bit to try to get them to, he's desperate for them to pay attention to what he's saying. Yeah. Like if, if we back up and read the whole chapter, the whole chapter is a, a very, I mean, in some ways a very straightforward metaphor, right? So it talks like in, I mean, verse two, like there's two women, they're sisters and they both, they, they both play the whore and he gives them names, Ohola and Aholiba. Um, and he says, I mean, it's just like verse four, Ohola is Samaria, Aholiba is Jerusalem. So I like to understand at the very beginning, like this is a metaphor and in a good prophetic fashion. I think Ezekiel uses, um, his version of, of lewdness and sexuality. And it's always the women who are playing the whore. I mean, it's, it, fits into like every kind of gender gender stereotype that we could possibly imagine. And then, I mean, he says like very, just like very straightforwardly, I think in this chapter. And like the reason, like when, when Samaria is the, uh, a whole law or Samaria is the whore, holy law, who is Jerusalem is the whore. Um, the reason that all of these bad things happen to us is because they were like prostitutes, they were like whores and the whores um, is equivalent to idolatry. Mm-hmm. I mean, like yeah. throughout, oh, the, yeah. throughout the whole chapter, right? And so then we get to the um, the, the horse and donkey uh, talk later on. So yeah, I think, I, I, yeah, I mean, Keith, I, I think that's correct. It's like trying to shock us even more. Like not only are they whoring and not only are they promiscuous, they're also even do, like, this is happening. Like this is, yeah. you know, um, for uh, clearly a violation of covenant. <laughs> yeah. At every level. You know, uh, back in the 80s, there was a, a group called the Two Live Crew. 
uh, led by a guy named <laughs> Luther Campbell. Uh, they call him Uncle Luke or Luke Skywalker. And, 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 and basically, the, the whole parental advisory thing that goes on, on music these days stems from the two live crew. Yeah, and they, they, they are the reason that there is a parental advisory on music. So what I'm thinking is, and this, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking that basically Ezekiel is like the Uncle Luke of the day. You know, don't stop, get it, get it, don't stop, get it. I, this, he's, he's laying it out in he's such a way. It out. Yeah, he's laying it out. He's whipping it out in <laughs> such a way <laughs> that to, to, um, to make this shocking. Now, I, I completely agree with what Katie and Keith said. This is obviously a metaphor. He can't be talking about something specifically, but, but he's using a very specific device in order to illustrate this metaphor. And it's shocking. And, and honestly, this, this is one of these things that amazes me because I think that, that in virtually every Bible study in every mainstream Christian denomination, that they literally have to go deliberately out of their way to avoid teaching this. Oh yeah, I because, can't imagine a Bible. Hey guys, let's do a let's do a youth Bible, a junior high Bible study on the book of Ezekiel. Yeah, let's not. I don't think that's a good idea. Don't stop, get it, get it, don't stop, get it, get it. Well, this is why when I was preparing for the show, I was like looking at what Christians, you know, are commenting on this on this passage and then what atheists are commenting on this passage. And it it's one of those things where I feel as if the only reason why people dismiss the Bible for how absurd it is, is because of the way in which we try to read it. And we try to make it clean and sanitary and pure. And I just, I loved, I mean, if you're going to use the Bible to, to try to pigeonhole certain purity codes and purity culture and things like that, yeah, yeah ch- check out the Bible, get rid of it. But if you let the Bible be messy and uncomfortable, yeah. like this is a really uncomfortable passage. If, you know, I mean, we can joke around about it and it's funny, but if you're like trying to read this seriously, like with your grandmother or something, this is a really uncomfortable passage, but let the Bible be uncomfortable. Like it, it, yeah. it, it bothers me that we can just dismiss all of these sort of like stories because, oh, they're stupid and they're absurd, but it's like, it's only, they're only absurd if we try to make the Bible say, I mean, just to try to make it like squeaky clean and, and it's not. Yes, exactly. The problem, yeah, the problem is trying to act like that the Bible would be something that would, you know, be on an episode of Mr. Rogers. Like, that's exactly right. And in some ways, I appreciate that the Bible isn't like that. It's, totally. I think it's actually great that the Bible is, well, once in a while, I mean, not even just once in a while, like, there's a, a, lot. Lot, a lot, a lot, right? I mean, you know, there's even, I love passages in, um, you know, in the New Testament, like in Paul's writings, he he talks about things and he says, like, you know, he talks about, he uses the word for the day, like he says, this is shit. And yep. it's in the, you know, sorry, guys, it's in the Bible. He's He uses that word, scubalon, right? And, yep. um, and it's the raw gutter kind of language. And we have tried to squeaky clean it all up and make it, you know, rated G with veggie tails and all that stuff. Well, it's like in Galatians when he is like, if you want to force people to cut off the tips of their penis, Go why don't you just way. finish the whole job, dude? Yeah. Or like there in, in the, in the old Testament, there are eight variations of the word piss. Yeah. Which, which it, ironically, you know, things like the word fuck wasn't around when, when the King James Bible was written, but piss was, and piss was actually a cuss word. 
that was actually considered profane. And yet there it is eight times in your Bible. I said, your Bible cusses more than you probably ever have, Christian. <laughs> but not as, not as much as Derek Day does. I was say, yeah, what? You, no. <laughs> you took that to a new level. <laughs> the, well, so uh, I think it's safe to say Ezekiel was not sex positive. Um, he's using really kind of even old-fashioned for the day, shocking yet old-fashioned stereotypes about um, women and women's sexuality to get his point across. So, Matt, as you were talking, I was thinking about the different ways Ezekiel is used in churches. And so I think my impression is, you know, evangelical fundamentalist churches are going to really draw on like the apocalyptic part of Ezekiel, yeah. kind of the yeah. futuristic oh, yeah. reading, right? Oh, yeah. Progressive yep. churches are going to draw on Ezekiel and the Valley of the Dry Bones. It's mm-hmm. like symbols of resurrection and of new life. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah, Derek, no one chooses this story as their, as their kind of go-to, <laughs> uh, go-to moral brown bag sermon story. Um, but it, like this one, it, it, compa- it pales in comparison to me to like Hosea. Oh, yeah. Like Hosea, I can barely read it without just being completely traumatized uh, by that prophet. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm so appreciative of some of the shocking images that Ezekiel uses but he's like, he's really buying into this old theology of like bad things happen um, because you've done bad things and good things happen when you do good things that like, eh, he, he maybe deserves a little more critique on that. Like, I wonder what Mary Magdalene would say. Yeah. She's already off the air. Well, let's, let's, let's ask. Oh, no, she's, yeah, she's, yeah, she's gone now. Already, she, we can she guess. Wait, wait, let's, I'll, I'll summon her again. Eeny, meeny, chili, beanie. <laughs> the spirits are about to speak. <laughs> well, so uh, do you think... Um, you mentioned Hosea, and you're right. That's that's a totally different thing because as weird and shocking and kind of gross, you know, as some of the details are that Ezekiel uses in this passage, um, it's only in these two verses. It's only to make a point, and he does it in a way that we were guessing it was pretty much to get a reaction to be shocking. But the Hosea thing, I don't know, maybe we'll talk about this in another episode. I don't know. But uh, the Hosea thing is like it's uncomfortable because at least the way it's written, this is a guy who's actually doing these things. Like he is actually being called to, uh, you know, marry this prostitute and go through all these things. And it's like, he's really living this out in a pretty painful way. Yeah. Uh, it, that's like a living metaphor. That's a, way more uncomfortable and very difficult to read. Oh, well, oh, I also think Jose, I mean, I read Jose is still as a, as a metaphor. Like, I don't, I mean, maybe, he had yeah. a, maybe he had a wife that was that cheated on him or something like that. But, um, it uh, could be, but it's the, there's a lot of abusive language in Hosea, yeah. you know, where he's like, and then wooing and coming back. Like the whole thing is just, I did the semester long class on Hosea. And by the end of it, I was, I like had to take a nap for two weeks and <laughs> reading it all. But it's, but the, the imagery in Hosea and Ezekiel and other prophets too, um, of the wanton woman um, is just done and done and done and done. And that I think does uh, trickle down into purity culture and into um, kind of controlling women, especially controlling behavior of both of all genders um, and especially women's uh, sexuality. Right. Yep. Yeah, I think that you know Hosea had to actually live through it. He had to go through it, but Ezekiel just liked to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the greatest saxophone oh, yeah. story of all time. It is, isn't it? It really it's is. So good. Uh, Nick, let it play. Let it play. Just let it play for the next 15 minutes. Play us out, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Ezekiel 21. <laughs> <laughs>
in your ear. How much of this can you play without copyright infringement? We got to go right into that line. I'm waiting, waiting for us to get a hit. <laughs> Correction, Ezekiel 23. Yeah. One thing that I do appreciate uh, about you pointing that out, Derek, is that humans have been obsessed with sex since for ever mm-hmm. uh, and you know in the in the ancient world especially i think it was probably less hidden like there's more opportunity because everyone's living in really close quarters everyone knows everyone's business that's part of ancient mediterranean uh, and near eastern culture um and so like i think everyone would know that like this thing goes on with horses and with donkeys and ezekiel's just like i'm gonna write it down whether he's turned on by it or not i have no idea but that's like that whole passage in Leviticus where uh, a woman, if she gets involved in her husband's battle and she grabs the other guy's nuts, you know, it's yeah, does that happen it, a lot? Yeah, I'm wondering. We have uh, to apparently, have a scripture. Apparently, yeah. that 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 happened enough for it to be written down. <laughs> That's crazy, man. That, that we have to deal with this. We we, we we got a problem with women grabbing the the nuts of their husband's opponents. Why is it up to the man to just make sure he covers his nuts rather than the woman to it's like not be able to just reach out and grab them? Because pants weren't invented, Keith. Get, oh, no, that's that's why you gird up your loins. That's what, yeah, I, that's that's what I'm saying, though. Gird the, your loins, man. The armor of Christ. There you the go. Armor of Christ. The armor yes. of Christ. You know, go, speak, going back to like being obsessed about sex. You know, I um I forget where I was, I was talking to someone about this. It, it's just fascinating to me that the people. I mean, maybe this goes back to even pal's you know epic voicemail episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't listened to that, please go listen to it. Um, it's like the people who say no to sex, say no to sex, say no to sex, say no to sex. They obsess over it. Right. It's like, that's all they're talking about. They don't do this, don't do that. But then they just obsess. So it's like this weird contradictory and this like almost juxtaposition of saying no to all these sexual things, except for this one very tiny (laughs) slim thread of how you're supposed to do it. And then being obsessed over what they're doing, what other people are doing, what parts you're working with, what your emissions look like, what <laughs> what breed of horse you look like. It's like when you pull uh, out, when you don't. Yeah, yeah what parts yeah. go what parts? And oh yeah. my god, it's just it's a weird. I, I don't know if it's like a sociological or psychological phenomenon that I've that I've noticed. It's like the more restrictive you are obs- about sex, the yes. more obsessed you are with it. Well, because because it's that thing of like, don't think about don't think about elephants. Don't think about elephants. Don't think, what are, you, what are you thinking about? Elephants. So the more you're focused on not doing this thing, the only way you can continually focus on not doing it is to always be thinking about it, which means you're always thinking about it, right? So you end up, you end up obsessing over the thing because you're not supposed to do it. So you end up, that's all you think about. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this whole emission thing. I, I, I really kind of focus on that, and maybe that that's a character flaw in me. <laughs> but uh, this whole thing about the the size of the emissions, the volume of the emission, and this, this what, I'm I'm trying to figure out what is the spiritual metaphor in that. Well, I was I was gonna Google it and look up on YouTube to see if there was a video for how much emissions. Don't don't Google that. Don't Google that. You are going. Yeah, don't, you're gonna get arrested. Don't Google <laughs> you better that. put it on incognito mode, my friend. <laughs> you, you you'll be scarred for life, Keith, if you've never seen any of that. Oh man, Joe. Well, the I mean, what Ezekiel is is also. I mean, I have a guess on this, um, and I've, I've done no critical study of Ezekiel at all, y'all. I mean, it's a very kind of fly by night, but the I mean, Ezekiel is critiquing 
Israel's actions or Judah's and Judah's actions because they were invaded by Assyria and then by Babylon. And so he refers to both of those nations, uh, those kingdoms, empires um, throughout this whole chapter. I mean, it's super, I mean, like he's calling them by name um, throughout. And so it's like, the and this is again a guess, uh, but what's the what's our verse in question here? Uh, yeah, so yeah, verse twenty. Uh, those the she lusted after the paramours there, and in, the, in this case, it's like in the land of Egypt, uh, whose members were like those of donkeys, and who emission was like that of stallions. And so it's like the empires are getting bigger and bigger and more destructive. They're tearing down the temple. They're taking people captive. They're exiling people. Um, and so I think some of that, um, the, the lewdness and the shockingness of the metaphor is also referring to um, the lewdness and the shocking behavior of the empires that are tearing these countries asunder as well. And so Ezekiel, I, I, don't, I don't agree with Ezekiel's theology, but Ezekiel's theology is like, and they're doing that because we played the whore, because we were idolatrous. And so the the amount of the emission is kind of like growing in proportion to the people's sin. Right. But another thing, too, is that old Zeke couldn't have measured this emission unless the whole Onan game was intact. Well, you're tied it all wait, together, wait, huh, man? Does, oh, does the rule about Onan apply to animals? Oh, there you go. Would it? I don't think animals have a pullout game. So <laughs> that's, there's that. <laughs> you know, animal and animals. Hey, listen, animals are dedicated. They're gonna, they're, they're, gonna, they're gonna stay. They're gonna stick to activity. They're gonna. They're, 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 yeah, they're, they're in it to win it, man. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, like I mean, basically, in order for Ezekiel to have come to this don't say come god damn it Derek you <laughs> know what pull, your, pull yourself together man <laughs> in order for him to arrive at this conclusion <laughs> he had to have some metric some some sense of this I'm, I'm telling you Zeke may have been the bible's first voyeur well, what if, you know, we don't know. Maybe he was like a horse breeder on his spare time. You know, maybe. Except it doesn't say that. It, 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 we, we, we don't know. We don't know. No, we don't, we don't know. But again, this is, um, I mean, it's not like, it, it's not like super fine literature writing here, right? It's, no. like, um, you know, he comes up with an image that, that's, that's really um uh, useful uh, for this particular context. Um, so I'm, I, I'm not kind of quite going the direction of like, this must be an Ezekiel as a, what, a, a, like seeking out sort of sexual pleasure or denying himself or anything like that, but like using the images that are at hand. And this is a very agricultural image that's available. Um, and, you right. know, we believe too that Ezekiel was probably in Babylon when writing this. Right. So like he's seen all the trauma, he's experienced all the trauma, he's traveled across the world, uh, he's seen a lot of animals while he's doing that, and they're probably dependent on those animals. It's, it's, it's agricultural, I, I get that, but, but again, because he juxtaposes this with a human activity, when, when he says, 
that her love, her lovers, whose genitals were like those of donkeys and whose emissions, I mean, listen, he's actually, I mean, listen, he's actually in the bed here, or he's in the bedroom, or he's in the closet watching. There's something going on. I mean, he's, a, listen, he's like R. Kelly in that <laughs> hip hop. <opera>. No, <laughs> I, I'm, listen. I was trapped in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he's like he's he's he's, Zeke is like the gimp, man. He's he's you know, he's he's just kind of tied up, chained up, masked up, and and watching. You know, and 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 he's chronicling he's chronicling what he's seen. I mean, this is like this is this is voyeur porn. I mean, I I just can't I can't arrive at any other maybe and and maybe this might be my reductionist thinking, but this is what I come to. God damn it, there it goes. Well, you know, it's, I mean, it's interesting because I'm, by focusing on the sexuality, I think we're doing the thing Ezekiel didn't want us to do, which is to focus on, he actually wants us to focus on like the idolatry on the sin. And I just, I'm laughing because like the four of us are like, yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> not what we're, we're not interested at all in like the perceived sin or not sin of, uh, of Israel and Judah, or at least I'm not, I don't want to speak for all of you. But you're, you're, you're giving, you're giving Zeke the benefit of the doubt, Katie. And I, and I, I really appreciate that. Um, I really do, but but at the same time, I'm just like, oh, Zeke is in the gutter, man. I mean, I, I just can't come to any other, there I go again, to any other conclusion. I can't arrive at any other conclusion. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I think um, there's also not just a cultural thing, but like you were saying, Katie, uh, when you, like, for example, like, um, this is a weird analogy, but like, you know, if you ever watch any of these, uh, these shows where... Like there's a show called Alone where these people go off all alone and they're left there for like a, for like a hundred days to survive in the wilderness. And you're talking about naked and afraid? No, no, no. It's just called Alone. Oh, okay. And you're left alone. You're left alone and you have to survive with very few things. You have to build yourself a shelter and you have to find your own food. And and uh, and the last person standing after 90 days or 100 days, whatever, gets a million dollars or something crazy. But when I'm watching that show, what's amazing to me is like these people – they know like which berries to eat, which ones are poisonous. They know how to set traps to catch rabbits. They know how to build a shelter against the rain. They know how to, you know, like some of these guys are up here, like in the Alaska, so it's like very cold and they know all the, the fish, you know, at certain temperatures of the water are here or there. All these survival skills, right? And I'm looking at this going, I would be dead in the first four hours. Like I don't even, I don't know any of this stuff. And so I think it's a similar thing where like people, um, you know, back at the time this was written, uh, they were just acquainted with, with the kind of stuff that we're just not acquainted with. Like they're used to saying, you know, to their, probably to their teenage son or daughter, Hey, go out in the backyard and kill a goat, cut out, you know, bleed it and gut it and cook it. And like, if I told, you know, a teenager that nowadays, they'd be like, ew. And they don't even, they don't know how the first thing about how to do that. Whereas for them, that would be a normal thing to do. That would be like, Oh, no big deal. I'm going to go kill a chicken. I'm going to go, yeah, no big deal. Whereas, you know what I'm saying? We're so removed from, from livestock, from going and killing livestock and eating it, from being involved with all that kind of day-to-day stuff. We're so far removed from it. I think we can read sometimes these kind of passages. And to us, it seems so bizarre and strange and weird. But it, it's probably also because we're just not acquainted with what it's like to live, you know, uh, on a farm or to live in a very, uh, in a society where your, your family is living off the land and living off of livestock and things like this. Um, I don't know. For me, that's a, what pops into my head. Like, I just feel like there's, we're so far removed from some of these things. Uh, it's very difficult for us to, 
understand it as something that probably for his listeners, it probably was shocking, but I bet it wasn't as shocking to us as it is to us now. No, probably not. The thing that's more shocking to me is that, like Katie had mentioned, the theology of it. It's like when you start thinking about, and, and, and I understand why they say certain things about like, oh, if this happened, it's because you did this. That was the yeah. kind of the formulaic way of, of viewing. That was their theodicy. That was how they answered the question, why do bad things happen to people? Well, it's because you did X, Y, and Z. It's why Job's so-called friends can say yeah. such horrible things about him in the end because, it, well, it must have been that Job was doing these horrific things. So that to me is, what's shocking to me is that we get to later writings and we've kind of worked our way out of that, like with, I mean, the book of Job and later Jesus. It's like, oh. that's not how it works. And Christians will revert right back to that's yes. exactly how it works. They'll yeah. go, no, sorry, Jesus, sit down. We've got Deuteronomy 28. That's right. Fine. Like, it's like, wait, hold, hold yeah. on, stop. Like, like that. That's, no, let's not go back to that, please. Can we not? I agree. Well, have we, have we solved uh, Ezekiel's donkey and horse? I don't know. Is there, is there a way? I don't know if there's a way to solve it or not, but it was certainly interesting to discuss it. Well, between shit bread and donkeys and horses, I think <laughs> we can we move on from Ezekiel eventually? <laughs> Are we, do, we, do we have another episode coming up in this series? We do. We do. And it is more about animals, but um, a slightly oh, different spin. A slightly different good. spin. I'll, I'll, I'll leave the mystery at that. At that. Uh, okay. Well, I, I look forward to it. Um, and I look forward to, you know, you guys are just awesome. Whatever we talk about on this show, we can <laughs> talk about this kind of shit. We can talk about other stuff, and it's like, it's so much fun. So, listeners, I, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed uh, recording it. Uh, but before we leave, please don't hit stop yet. We have a website. It's heretichappyhour.com. We have books from most of our heretics of the week, none from Mary Magdalene or Marcion, but former heretics of the week if you click our bookstore you're going to save 15 percent off on most of the books and it's going to help support the show so if you want to dig deeper with any of our wonderful heretics go check out heretichappyhour.com and find that bookstore and we would love you to come on over to heresy after hours it's our free fabulous multi-thousand member facebook group uh lively conversations there all the time i i just engaged in a question about like aliens in the Bible and angels. And so that's the kind of conversations we're having and all sorts of other heretical things uh, over there. So come on and join our Facebook group and join in the conversation uh, online with us. Yes. And um, for those of you who uh, cannot get enough of this phenomenal podcast, uh, well, we invite you to come over and join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash heretic happy hour, uh, where you can financially support the podcast. Well, we appreciate you very much if you already are a member, a supporter. But if you would like to, to support the podcast, we have so many amazing goodies for you over there. Uh, free PDF downloads, bonus interviews, bonus footage, bonus, all kinds of cool stuff. You got to check it out. And on top of all the cool stuff you will get access to uh, as a Patreon supporter, you will, and our undying love and gratitude, of course, you will also be uh, given access to the uh, Heretic Happy Hour private exclusive Facebook group. Uh, so all of that awaits you when you go to patreon.com slash heretic happy hour and support us. And we appreciate it. Thank you very much. And if you love this podcast, I, I highly encourage you to come on over to iTunes 
and put your facial on a five-star rating. God damn it, Dirk. <laughs> what? <laughs> so that you can avoid being a donkey dick. Five-star rating. Don't be a donkey dick, everybody. Don't Come be a donkey on. dick. Give us a review. We love you guys, honestly. Even the donkey dicks.